and welcome to Stacia Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my Cypriot companion, Stu Lennon. Hey Stu, how are you today? I'm, I'm tickety-boo, thank you very much, Justin. But first of all, the, the major piece of follow-up, did you listen back to the recording of your intro last week? I did, yes. Yes. We're not talking about it. I edited it out. Good. Excellent. Nobody else heard that apart from you and (laughs) nobody else got to make fun of me either. So let's move on and pretend that never happened. Do you have any follow-up today, Justin? Yeah, I got to, I was having a chat with Marcus from Germany, friend of the show. Uh, He was listening to one of our previous conversations when we were talking about higher education and pointed out the way that things work in Germany. Germany still is focused on learning a trade. It's a big deal over there. And that's, uh, he presumes it's because manufacturing plays such a central role in the German economy. And if you stop and think about it, uh, you know, me coming from a background of large industrial machinery, there is a lot of truth to that. You know, the German label made in Germany still means something. Um, the follow-up comment to that was, uh, public universities are run by each state. And this is the part I thought found fascinating. There are no tuition fees for your first degree, uh, just some low matriculation fees, which are entrance fees, you know, so you can get a degree for something like 50 to 70 euros, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely amazing. Cause I don't know about you, but I haven't seen free tuition in, well, an age. What, what he pointed out, which I thought was absolutely fantastic and also kind of scary as well for Germany is that university is free in Germany for people outside Germany and even for people outside the EU. So you can move to Germany, get a free education. What are we doing wrong, Stu? Why are we living where we do? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think, uh, I suppose a couple of points. I mean, it used to be like that in the UK and it still is in Scotland. So, um, Scottish first degree doesn't cost you anything either. I think, mm. uh, unless I'm very much mistaken. Um, and yeah, I mean the, uh, some of the rules, um, particularly laid at the sort of feet of the EU that I think have fueled, um, sort of, shall we say, separatist movements mm-hmm. um, are the ones that that mandate that all EU citizens must be able to access all services everywhere type thing. And then there's this sort of uneasiness, probably xenophobic, that, you know, there's going to be an inflow of refugees from insert name of country you don't like very much here. Um, and they are going to um, go to your university for free, use all your health services for free and all that sort of stuff. And, it, you know, migration generally is a huge issue for the world. It's probably up up there with, you know, water shortages and resource management generally uh, as things that need to get sorted out in the next 50 years. Mm. Um, but yes, no, the, well, the Germans, they're, they're very logical. I mean, I, I know it's a stereotype, but I think the Germans probably sat there and said, right, education, what would be a sensible way to do that? Um, I had to think about a few things and went, right, well, we need people who can do sort of engineering-y, trade type things, and we need people who've got degrees. So what we'll do is we'll make it all free and we'll, uh, we'll insist that companies that make stuff have a master technician, a master certificate. 
Hmm. Which just seems incredibly logical. So, uh, yeah, well done, Germany. Yeah. Dankeschön, Marcus. Yeah, it was uh, really interesting. I hadn't thought about how other countries do that. And, you know, particularly the way that uh, they focus on trades as well is is really cool. And, hey, you know what? Not something, uh, if I was at a different point in my career, well, maybe. But at this point, I still want to sit behind a computer and do nothing. <sighs> All right, Stu, speaking of sitting behind a computer and doing nothing, we watched the Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference we did. presentation on Monday. Yes. And we were chatting back and forth. And It was lovely of them to us invite us across there to, to California. I mean, the flight was a pain, but um, no, no, we didn't. No, I was at my kitchen table. I don't know where you were um, watching. I was it. in my usual spot watching it on my small little monitor. <laughs> At least I didn't travel there to get COVID, so, uh, you know. Oh, yes. Poor old Mike Hurley, eh? Poor Mike Hurley, but, uh, yeah, it's... Anyway, what is what is it going to cost you, Stu? Hmm. What would it cost me? Well, I don't know. It was funny, wasn't it? Because the whole thing started off um, uh, with a sort of, you know, big, well, gap, really. Uh, they waffled on for, oh, is it 20, 30 minutes about home screens? Or lock screens. It seemed like forever, um, didn't it? Yeah, it, it it definitely gave me the impression of, and uh, this is where we would have been talking about uh, iOS because later we were going to be talking about Reality OS, but Reality OS is nowhere near finished or indeed started. So we had to suddenly rethink everything. Um, so yeah, it was a bit sort of dull to start with. You and I were, were both. I could sort of feel our attention wavering. You know, I was checking in on Twitter mm-hmm. to see what the tw- Twitterati was saying. Um, and, you know, while I was there, I thought I might check my email because actually how much do I want to hear about a lock screen? Um, but then I think it got a little bit better. I mean, I was pretty confident that there was going to be uh, a MacBook Air sort of release or launch, if you like, because it had been so heavily rumored uh, through the supply chain. Mm. Uh, and it was. And it looks kind of as I would expect it to look. Um, I have a few concerns about it that, you know, I'll, I'll like to hear in the, uh, the reviews. Um, I bought the entry level, um, MacBook air M one. So the one with only eight gig and 256 gig storage. Because this was essentially my sort of, um, I was almost using it as I guess the iPad was intended. It was going to be very light, sort of single focus stuff. Um, but it hasn't really worked out. I probably do more. Well, I definitely do more on that than I do on this computer that I'm recording on, which is a Mac Mini, mm-hmm. which has got a bigger hard disk and bigger um, unified memory. Um, so. I was thinking that I might get an M2, particularly as I've got a buyer lined up for the M1. Ah. That's that's the real thing. One of my golf buddies uh, wants the M1 for his wife. Mm. So there, there might be a, assuming I can get the skin off it, because I don't think he wants a wooden one. Um, if, I, if I can get the skin off it, make it look pretty. That, that will go a long way to mitigating any cost of an M2. Mm-hmm. But then... You know, the problem I have is living here in Aphrodite's Isle. So at the moment, the reseller has a thing 
up uh, only in Greek, but my Greek's getting better, saying, send us an email and we'll reply saying, yes, we're going to get them one day, honest. Um, Just like your red iPhone that uh, yeah, exactly. you pre-ordered and never came in. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, that's that's a bit of a thing. Um, but there's also a part of me that's going, I might be going to the UK quite soon. So, mm, yes, for not sure would be my my verdict on the old uh, MacBook Air. What about you? What did you take away from WWDC? Uh, there was an hour and 46 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. Huh? Uh, no, it was, it's fine. Um, I picked up a, a spec bumped MacBook Pro M1 when they first came out. So mine's got a terabyte of hard disk space. It's got 16 RAM. It's the Pro, so it's, air cooled it's got the cooling situation it's got the better screen it's got the touch bar which i'm one of the few people that actually likes a touch bar and it's fantastic i love it um i was looking at the specs and the performance gains and all the rest of that and you see things like okay the m2 is 20 percent faster in multi-threaded processes it's like, okay well that's that's great you know how often do i use software that maxes out all of the cores sure um you know and and i look at it and i go no i don't need to i don't need a different color laptop the one i've got is just perfect i know my wife would really like mine but i still think it makes sense to get her a less expensive version of the new or even the M1. I might still get her an M1. I see they're still for sale. Mm -hmm. yep. But uh, yeah, I don't uh, have any desire to throw out money. I was really disappointed though. I, I was expecting developer conference, a Mac Pro. No. You know, the consumer level MacBook Air, which is great for families and kids going to university just seemed like the wrong place at the wrong time to drop it. Anyway, that's just me. Mm, I mean, I think, you know, this is my, uh, I mean, we're sort of Apple fanboys, a bit nerdy perhaps. Really? Um, and well, and because of uh, people like us, um, we've, we've destroyed the developer conference. Um, it's not a developer conference. Anybody thinks it's a developer conference is really not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, this is, their second biggest sales event of the year. So the computer that was going to be launched and get all the publicity was the one that sells like hotcakes, not the one that 16 people in America own. The, the, the Mac Pro will get a press release at some point going, yeah, it's, it's enormous. It costs an absolute fortune and you don't need it. Yeah, much like the monitor that I have sitting in front of me, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the MacBook Air, Air flies off the shelves because of the price point and because for the vast majority of people, it is more than enough computer. <laughs> I mean, th the thing that annoys it, me about it is I get that sort of um, memory full message coming up. Uh, and that is almost always because of either Microsoft Teams or Slack or just, you know, a bad citizen that's using up all the, all the RAM. <laughs> um, if you, if you sort of strip that nonsense out and used uh, the the sort of good citizen stuff, you'd never see it. Uh, and even when you do see it, I don't actually get a performance problem. It's just a case of, all right, I'll close a couple of apps. It's fine. Mm. See, I've, I haven't got that in a while. They've done some updates and uh, on mine with the 16 gigs, it's fine. But 
Uh, I used to get that when it first came out and you just mm -hmm. got to make sure you've got a lot of disk space. It's, it's, it's a little bit of management, but, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with mine at the moment. It works well. Yeah. Touch I wood. don't get it very often on my 16 either. So, you know, standing here on this computer at the moment, I've got, uh, you know, a couple of recording apps open, uh, a communication app. I've got the couple of tabs open on the internet. Um, on my MacBook Air, this would probably be saying to me, you know, you're getting a bit close on the memory. But uh, on this with the 16, it's fine. I, I rarely see that message anymore. Still better than the iPad. <laughs> well, yes. What did you think of the phone as a camera? Um, I think they sure locked camo. I've been a camo user for many, many years. Uh, have you tried that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've used camo and uh, it's excellent. It's very, very good. Um, it's a hack to get around the appalling build quality of Apple's uh, cameras within their Macs. And the fact that they admitted that publicly and did it on stage is, uh, it's up there, I think, with antenna gates. This one will grow and grow and grow mm -hmm. because everybody who doesn't like Apple, which is, well, a fair percentage of the computing world is going to go, their cameras are so crap, they suggest you use your phone. I do have to say that since I've got my fancy big computer screen, um, with the external uh, purchased separately webcam and external purchased separately speakers, um, the setup is fantastic. But the Logitech 4K uh, clip-on camera that they make is a magnetic camera that sticks to the top of this big, ugly um, screen that I have is actually fantastic it's probably the best webcam i've ever used sure so um, you know i i've got no you no real reason for that i've kind of not used camo a whole lot i mean if i want to do something creative it's great to have that option but for the most part this works as well as can be needed i've got a elgato light behind it so that i can have enough light in this room so it looks good yeah it's it's fine hmm. but yeah if you if you're buying a new a new expensive Mac studio, then you're going to need something like this because, well, that webcam, just terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I maintain it's just a spectacularly stupid place to save money. That's, that's just nonsense. Um, I'm sure it was all about supply chain and trying to get it in at certain price points. Uh, but, you know, there is that sort of tinge of greed <laughs> and sort of efficiency that, that uh, Tim Cook's Apple goes for. But I think people will look back at that and go, they did what? Yeah. Rather than put, you know, proper cameras uh, into these, these Macs that just said, you can use your phone. Um, but by the same context, I mean, I think that the cameras that are in there are fine if you're making Zoom calls, if you're on a, a Teams call, uh, you know, for work. The one that's built in is okay. Um, on the laptops, on the, the studio, that appears to be a bit problematic. Um, but the whole idea of, but look, you can buy a cheap plastic clip and put it on your $2,500 computer and go, and look, you can see the desk as well. <laughs> Yay. I'm just like, you stupid, stupid people. Uh, but hey, there you go. What, what do I know? They're, they're, they're selling more computers than me. <laughs> That, this is true. You you may not have this option because you have the iPhone mini. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it does not have the ultra-wide. No, no, I wouldn't be able to do the desk as well. People would have to either look at my desk or 
heaven forfend my face. Oof. <laughs> um, but the, ch- the chances of me ever buying a clip to put attach my phone to my laptop are exactly and precisely zero. Mm. Um, I, I would never be able to admit to myself that my, my computer was that awful. Uh, because then clearly I shouldn't have bought it in the first place. But I, you know, I'm not shooting video. I'm not shooting uh, content. Um, I, I'm, I'm talking to people, and as long as they can see it's me, um, and increasingly I find that sort of seventy five percent of my teams and Zoom calls and stuff are voice only. <laughs> people have kind of had enough of video, I think. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the new world. Mm. All right. I think we've spent enough money on Apple stuff for today. For sure. What's your tool of the week? Uh, my tool of the week. Oh, well, it was TV. There we go. TV streaming. Apple TV scre- streaming by any chance? Was it on Apple? No. This was this was through my my dodgy TV, um, which is uh, some little magic box that you buy in a sort of alleyway, and there's a there's an exchange of money for a for an annual service. Uh, and you get an enormous amount of TV channels that that too many TV channels for the money you're paying, I would suggest. Um, and part of that is a video club, um, which in my old little TV box was useless. But in the new one that I've I've recently moved to, I thought. I wonder if I would be able to get any of the Disney stuff because I've been, I've been wanting to catch up with all the the Star Wars things because I haven't seen any of them. Mm. So I looked for um, Kenobi and and found it. I thought it's great, um, but it's dropping sort of you know one once a week episode at a time. Um, so I watched watched the first two. I think I went, oh yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Oh, I wonder if this this ever got the Mandalorian. Sure enough, it did. Uh, so I Monday, if anybody was following me on Twitter, I, I cancelled Monday. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. I had some sort of energy deficit and just went, do you know what? I really can't be bothered with, with Monday. So I, f- I finished off a couple of things that I had to do um, and then got myself under the fan in front of the telly and watched quite a lot of Mandalorian, which was fantastic. Enjoyed it. Ah, much better than that thing called work, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's um, it's great to see essentially the man with no name, uh, but set into a galaxy far, far away. It's it's just a western. It is spaghetti western. Yes, the the genius of George Lucas. Just tell the same story. It's fine. They'll never notice. And uh, you know, I, I was lapping it up. Mm, yeah, I like the Mandalorian. At least the first season. Second season, kind of. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm kind of losing the will to live now. But uh, what one more episode and it's done. Oh God, the last episode of season two. Anyway, we want no spoilers because I don't want to have to get a foghorn and <laughs> splendid. What about you? What what was your tool of the week? Uh, so I was streaming as well. Apple Music, I, and I'm not sure if this was a tool for productivity or not. <sighs> you know how it goes, Stu. I'm sitting here. I got tired of WWDC podcasts from all the technorati that was invited to Apple, mm. sat and watched the same video that we did and talked endlessly about it all week. <laughs> I, what I loved, sorry to interrupt, but what I loved was Syracuse a couple of weeks ago saying, the reason that you invite people is because essentially you can make them like your stuff, even if your stuff's no good. And 
our mental list is sitting there going, yeah, well, you know, I don't know, John, you know, come on, you're being a little, mm, yeah, not sure. Then Armin gets an invite, comes back going, oh, Apple Park's amazing. It was just brilliant. And just at the end of the of the bootleg, I don't know if it made it to the edited um, version of the podcast, Syracuse, <laughs> I can actually see him turning to the mic and saying, and thank you for demonstrating my point so well about why you get people to come to an in-person event. <laughs> Boom! I thought, if he could, he would do a mic drop. Yep, definitely. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I had enough of WWDC podcast. Basically, different voices saying exactly the same thing. Uh, so I was looking for some new music, and apparently I don't have enough music in my library, Stu, which is mm. really sad. Uh, so I was I went to Apple Music, and I, I even braved the interface on the Mac and did some searching and i started with kind of music that i liked artists that i liked and i scrolled down to the bottom of each artist and it's kind of like a related to or other artists you may like section mm -hmm. and i spent some time digging through there and pulled up some new music so i've got i've got some fantastic unheard of to me artists that are great for my productivity i may or may not have lost half an hour to an hour heading down that rabbit trail of listening to all the different stuff. But hopefully I've got another couple of weeks worth of music to listen to, which is really, really good. Cause I definitely need a little more music in my library. I, I well, yeah, indeed. I mean, I, how you struggle by with 25,704 items and a total listening time of correct me if I'm wrong, that's 94 days. Yeah. I put that in just for a laugh. 94 days, 19 hours, 23 minutes, and 11 seconds, apparently, is how long I can go for before I repeat the same song. And I still can't find music to listen to. That's the worst part. Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> oh, that, there's definitely something to explore in there. So, take a note, Lennon. Take a note. I'm, I'm <laughs> taking a note. <sighs> oh, gosh. All right, Stu, what are you writing with this week? Uh, I am taking a note right now as we speak with uh, my little Sailor Pro Gear. This is the, uh, is it uh, Sapporo? I think maybe it's it's all white with chrome fittings. Um, it's a Sailor. It's lovely. I've got a broad nib. And I've just put some um, Schubert by uh, Diamine, part of the music set, which is a sort of uh, it's a sort of green with a, with a hint of turquoise, perhaps a lovely pen, lovely ink. Mm -mm. And yes, I do enjoy my sailors as you know, what about you? Yours looks really interesting. All right. So I, I was bored the other day. I was looking for a new pen to write with, and I decided that I was going to reorganize all of my pens. Have you ever done that, Stu? Is that is a really depressing thing to do. Uh-huh. I had um I've got four folders full of pens. So I had those all out and I was rearranging the order. And you know what's bad when you start doing things like I'm rearranging all of my Twisbees together and all of my Lammies together and all of my cheap Chinese pens go in one folder and all of my vintage pens go in this folder. It was it was a little self-absorbent. But what I did come across was my poor beat up school pen, a trusty Parker 25 with a stub nib. Mm. And this thing 
has been so abused. It's a wonder it still writes. Do you think it was a stub nip when you started, or it just became that? I it just became that. And like you look at the side of it, and it's kind of got a bit of a hook to it. I know that it, you know, I, I had this when I was a teenager, so it's been used to pry open beer cans where you can't quite get your fingernail down into the part. Uh, it's been open cigarette packages. I know I've carved my name into at least one wooden desk or two in school. And I'm sure it's been used to pry a bicycle chain back onto a sprocket, you know, in the days before I had a car. <laughs> uh, it's bent to heck. It's tarnished. It's missing uh, the accoutrements to it. But the thing still writes, and it writes quite nicely. It's a, a true survivor. And I thought about it because it's actually one of the made in Britain. It's a tribute to British manufacturing of the 80s. And... I got to say, it's probably the only British steel from the eighties that hasn't rusted yet. It, it is perfect. Unlike the cars from that era, which well, they're mm. classic, I think is a nice way to, cut, to call them. Uh, but yeah, I use this. Uh, I only have the one many, many year old, um, cartridge in there. So I had to take that out, flush it. And I used a Moonman Hongdian ink cartridge filler fountain pen absorber suction device tool. Good Lord. Have you ever seen one of these things? Certainly not. I wouldn't be able to remember that many words. Uh, it's, it was an eBay thing, but apparently Amazon has them now. It's like a spring loaded syringe that is about the same size as a cartridge converter. So you put the needle into your ink, push down like a, a bit like a Twisby go, mm -hmm. let go. It sucks up the ink. You put it into your cartridge converter, press down again, and boom, there you go. Filled up really quick. There's no mess. There's no, if you've ever done that with a syringe, there is a temptation to push a little too hard. And all of a sudden you throw ink onto the ceiling behind you. This is just a really, really cool little $5 tool that I do recommend. Uh, I had a little sample vial of ink. I used a Colorverse Photon Green. And it was just like, wow, I, I, I forgot I had this thing. I found it the other day when I was cleaning up and went, oh, I got to try this again. And it's just a really cool little tool. So I thought I'd mention it for all the fountain pen geeks that listen to our show. Yeah, fantastic. It sounds very cool. All right. Wow. I talked too much. Let's talk a little more, Stu. Let's reduce some friction about what we're talking about. Oh, I like it. Reducing friction. Ah, well, go on then. Hit us with your quote. Start us off with your quote. So I found this quote from James Clear the other day, and it just kind of hit me. Before you try to increase your willpower, try to decrease the friction in your environment. And I thought about that because, you know, as productivity nerds, a lot of what we do is we force things to happen by willpower. We make sure we've got the systems in there to help us, but really at the end of the day, doing the work is hard. And at some point you just got to put your willpower to get, get done. Sometimes decreasing the friction is a really, really good advice to helping us get things done. Uh, friction is a resistance that we have. It's in, in the internal, the external barriers that make it much easier for us to avoid completing things. And usually friction comes up, at least in my case, a really, really good excuse. There's something that means 
I couldn't do what I wanted to do. You do you get to friction, Stu? Do you do you encounter a little bit of resistance? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you know everybody does. It's it's a fact of of life and of living. And uh, as as Mister Clear alludes to, environment is a is a huge part of that. So if you're uh, working in an office, you know, I think it's very well documented in. I suppose the last 50 books written on productivity of how much distraction there there can be in an office and how that can create friction in whatever you're trying to do because you just never have the time to to focus on one thing and get it done. And I think that's equally true for those who are working at home. You know, if you've got um, you know children, um, other halves, uh, pets. All those household chores. I mean, I've got a washing machine that I can't turn the notifications off. Oof. And it's, it's right behind my office here. So, so my wife has got this wonderful habit of putting the washing on and shooting off to work. And then I'm in the middle of something like beep, 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 beep. And short of blowing up that part of the house, I can't turn it off. Um, other than by hanging the washing out, which is, I guess, what she's aiming for. But um, yeah, those types of things I think are inevitable. And, you know, I'd also say that they're probably in some small measure desirable. We do like uh, that sort of off time. You know, you and I have discussed before when people talk about, oh, I work for eight hours every day. And I think, well, no, you haven't. You've probably worked for two. But the, the trick for me, I think, is just trying to find that sort of magic time where I can have no external friction for a couple of hours <laughs> and do what I can to minimize the internal friction. Because I think, I think there's both. Certainly. Well, what about you? What do you find? Oh, I'm, I'm certainly very conscious of this at the moment. Uh, right now, I have a wife that is not working. I've got a child that isn't working. I've got a designer princess puppy that is so finicky. She has learned that when she gets bored of one place, she goes to the door that I have between downstairs and upstairs. She stands at the one side of it or the other and barks to get my attention. So certainly that's friction. Um, I, I, I'm a digital, what do they call them? Digital nomad. I work from home. So the whole thing of having different work apps and the transition between them, it's, there's a lot of friction. I was, I was doing a little bit of research for this show. I, I know I, we, we better stop the presses now. Stu. <laughs> research. It's going to kill the whole thing. It's, it's just going to throw off our entire mojo. I was kind of curious, digital friction is a big thing. And there was a, a survey done from a place called digitalworkplacegroup.com. It's an article. There were some statistics that they pointed out. 68% of workers toggle between apps up to 10 times an hour. 31% of workers say toggling causes them to lose their train of thought. I would posit that the other 69% don't admit it to themselves. Or just lost their train of thought when they were answering the question. That's about it. 53% of workers find between find navigating between apps more annoying than doing household chores. How's that uh, compared to laundry, Stu? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's something quite nice about laundry. Um, I have to say, you know, hanging things out. No, anyway, no, carry on. I've, I've lost my train of thought. 
41% of all information to provided to employees is irrelevant to their specific job role. Mm-hmm. And some studies suggest it takes 23 minutes to recover your focus after a distraction. So if you think about that, you know, you're switching 10 times an hour and it takes 23 minutes to recover your focus. Oops. I, you're not getting a lot of productive time. <laughs> I, and I thought about this because wasn't technology supposed to improve our lives? But yeah, I, I really do look at this balance between willpower and friction. Mm-hmm. to be one of the biggest things. And, you know, as you said, it is both external and, and internal as well. We, we get a lot of that, uh, internal stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the reality, as you said at the, at the start is that there will be times when for me on Monday, once I'd got the things that I had to get done, the, the basic cause of friction was I couldn't be asked to do any more. That was, that was it. Um, and okay. I'm, I'm in the position where I can say, do you know what? I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to go and watch, watch TV. Boom. doesn't happen often, but when it happens, it happens. However, I don't think that necessarily that's, that's the, the big win. I mean, if you find that you want to go and watch TV every day, you might have larger problems, but what I think is important in, in, in those stats is just understanding that the only way that you can be productive in 2022 is to put aside some time where you cannot be reached. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Obviously there are emergencies. We all understand that, but where, um, okay, Justin and I are both going to say, if you've got notifications turned on, on your email, you're not doing it right. If you've got notifications turned on on Slack, you're not doing it right. If you've got no, but I understand that people have different, you know, scenarios and limitations and, and positions. However, you have to find a way where, whether it be for an extended period of two hours or a half hour here and a half hour there, or for, you know, whatever you can get where people cannot get you unless it's emergency. Mm-hmm. Because if they can, they will. Because you know they got stuff to do, and you know if they can keep bothering you, they don't have to do any work. Why not? Um, then you will be in this position where you're toggling between one app or another, and once you've done it, you've got 23 minutes to get back to where you were. And I, I humbly suggest, if you don't believe this is true, try writing a book. <laughs> try writing a book at a computer where you have notifications switched on. It's impossible. Mm. Because even if you do what you can to reduce them, just the very fact that one's there starts playing in your mind. Somebody go, oh, somebody just messaged me. I'm not going to look at it because I'm busy. But uh, somebody, I wonder who it was. I wonder what it was about. Could it be about dinner tomorrow or, or the party on Saturday? And before you know it, even without checking the bleeding thing, you've, <laughs> you've lost your focus and you've got 23 minutes to get back. So that is the key for me. Is and I think James Clear is right. You have to create those environmentals which allow you to have a, a period or several periods of quiet. I agree. I think we've talked about the Pomodoro method before. Sure. Which I think is ideal for anybody getting distracted, anybody getting uh, that tension between I need to check my email. I need to be online and I want to be productive. External 
factors. Nobody, if you block off your time for 26 minutes and don't tell anybody, which is the length of a Pomodoro, you can generally get away. There's very few things that are going to be such an emergency. Maybe if you're a firefighter or a policeman, this is probably not something you should be doing. But if you're just a, a an average office worker, nobody's going to begrudge you if it takes you 26 minutes to get back to somebody. Let's face it. If you're in a meeting with somebody, it often is going to go for longer than that. So these time frames do happen. Maybe you're in the bathroom. Maybe you're having lunch. Maybe you're, you know, who knows what you're doing. But people that feel that they can't not check things for 26 minutes, which is the length of a Pomodoro, I think are convincing themselves that they want to be online. Try it after 26 minutes. You've got four minutes to get right back into it and check all your email. Start doing that, particularly, you know, pick your quieter times during the day, you know, maybe your business when you come in in the morning is a little quieter, or maybe it's the end of the day, but start making some of those time blocks. And I think you'll using like Stu said, getting rid of all of your things that beep, you will find an, a, a way to stop external friction. The internal friction is still harder because that is the built up feeling that you have that I need to be checking email. What if somebody messaged me on Slack? You know, if somebody messaged you on Slack, they can probably wait 26 minutes. There's very few things that can't wait that length of time. And if you do the math on it, the chances are, even if somebody messages you during a Pomodoro time block, it's going to be an average of 13 because some people are going to message you at the very beginning. Some people are going to message you just at the end of the time block on average is 13 minutes. And most people can wait 13 minutes for an answer. The internal part dialogue that you have of, I need to be online. I need to be doing this is extremely hard to reconcile with your friction. You know, that is a friction that will prevent you from being productive. So, you know, you've got to really come into a point of looking at your big blocks, figuring out what those are, just schedule them and be gentle with yourself too. You know, figure out what your clarity is. As, as Stu said, you know, sitting at an office computer for 10 hours a day doesn't mean you're productive for 10 hours a day. There's a lot of time wasted. Look at what those are. Maybe it's a couple of hours a day. If you've got two hours uninterrupted time, what could you do? Try and build in some clarity of what you want to do on those big wins. And that can be really, really empowering and build up and reduce, build up your confidence, reduce your friction. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's difficult advice to, to put into words, but um, go to work once you've finished your work. So, Take me as an example, okay? If I come down to to do something here in the office, what I try and do is the day previous, I set up what I, I hope is going to be my big task. So let's say it's writing, right? I'm going to write for an hour. I'm going to write for two hours. Uh, that will happen from about eight o'clock. And what's what makes this work or, f or not work is my ability to say, okay, from eight till 10, I'm doing this big thing, the, the writing thing. That means that I will not check my email or my message threads until after 10. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I used to think that, because I get up quite early, I used to think, okay, well, at six, I'll just you know go through and I'll see, is there anything on fire I need to deal with? Trust me, there's nothing on fire at six in the morning. So what it does is immediately hijacks my mind and I start getting all of those focus issues that you touched on in your statistics there, where, because I've read an email and, you know, it's the boss and he wants something on so-and-so, and okay, he wants it by the end of the day, but I've already started thinking about it now. So rather than actually thinking about what I wanted to do, which was that two-hour block of writing, I'm beginning to answer the emails mentally or consider them or be bothered by them, (laughs) be annoyed by them. So that the key for me is to say, okay, once I've done my work, then I'll do the getting to work thing and I'll go on to Teams at 10 o'clock and I'll go on to the Slacks and I'll go on to my email and look at all the nonsense that everybody else thinks I should be doing. And, you know, I don't mind putting in a couple of hours doing that, which is, you know, kissing the corporate hand and pretending that any of this stuff's important. It isn't. Um, ultimately, the people at the boss know, uh, at the top know that. Um, but, you know, we, we all have to do it at some point. Even those people who recommend that you don't uh, check your email very often do, do concede that bosses quite like to see you check it now and again. <laughs> and so I find that if I do my my big block first, then I have some time to do the the distracted stuff where I go on and check everything. And then what I'll try and do is do another block later in the day. Mm. So I'll spend a couple of hours responding to people's messages or, you know, following their agenda, whatever it might be, but only in such a way as to say, right, okay, I've put that to one side now so I can get on with my other thing at three or two or whenever it might be. Um, early morning is always best because you've got the best chance of approaching it with a clear mind. Interesting. So I do, I do things just a little different than Stu in the fact that my first half hour of the day is my time for clearing my mental energy. What I find is if I haven't checked, I'm always wondering what's there. And as Stu said, most of the things you don't need to worry about right now. But occasionally, and again, you know, it depends on what your corporate structure is. I will check in first thing in the morning. I will clear the decks. I won't do any work that doesn't need to be done. Um, you know, and, and I've got a time block in there that I know I will come back to these things that these emails that I'm going to have to get to from the boss and such, but. I will be able to look at those and say, there is nothing in here that can't wait until I get into my email time block later this morning, which clears me, clears my internal friction, which is the, oh, am I missing something? And, you know, that's going to depend largely on your, your role within an organization, what the type of things that come up are. I would say one of the things that uh, Stu and I have differently is Stu is out in front of probably a chunk of the people he works with time-wise. Oh, time zone-wise, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, if if Stu is dealing with anybody in the UK, you're what, two, three hours ahead, Stu? Two hours ahead, yeah. Two hours ahead. So your morning, the chances are that people aren't necessarily yeah. messaging you at that time. Definitely. I, mm. I have the other problem in the fact that most of North America, I'm up to three hours behind. 
So when I start, people have been working for several hours. And that is one of those things that does mean I like to check first. And again, you know, I'm not saying that my way is better or my way or Stu's way is better. What I'm saying is that you've got to look at your own way of doing it. The key is not to get caught up in the, the task list that somebody else assigns you, which is your email. What you do is you clear it, get it from your mind, put it into the right place, which is I'm going to come back and deal with these, but nothing here needs to be dealt with on an emergency basis. And that is amazing for providing me that clarity to then focus on what I need to do. So a slightly different way than Stu does it, but it works for me. It works for my time zone. It works for my organization. You're going to have to look at your own way and see which way of those works for you. You know, if you're, if you're somebody like Stu, that if he checks his email, starts worrying about what a response is while he's distracted, that, that is friction. And you've got to try to come up with some way to reduce that internal friction, thinking about that. I'm maybe I'm just a little crazy. I could just put aside whatever anybody else needs and focus on my own stuff because I know in my system, I've got a plan to come back to it. So it's not that I'm not doing it. It's just that it is scheduled, but it is scheduled later. Kind of why I like to use a task manager because things can you know, be put into a task manager so that I don't forget them. And I know that they're there, once they're there, I can forget about them. Sure. Um, I was talking to Stu before we started recording and I was complaining about some silly little filters that I had to put in my air conditioner, um, $450 worth, to be honest. And they have to re be replaced every three years. And I got them yesterday and I installed them last night and I now have a six month cleaning reminder that comes in OmniFocus to tell me I've got a three year reminder with a defer date. So I don't have to think about it for two years and nine months because it took a little while for these to come in that three years out, I will have a reminder to deal with these and I'll never have to think about these silly little filters until then. And that's why I say, if you, if you have a system that you can push things out of your way and not think about them, then that is a way to reduce friction as well, particularly that internal friction. Yeah, for sure. And I think your point about time zones are very, very um, pertinent. If, if you are, as you say, sort of behind everybody on the, on the time zones, then your clear time is always going to be afternoon, evening. That's going to be the easiest time for you to liberate. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, the hardest is for people that are working in their own time zone. So, you know, if you're working nine till nine till six in an office and everybody else is working nine till six too, then, you know, when do you do it? And if you've got a mindset like Justin's where you can say, right, I'm going to spend 15 minutes triaging my email, my inboxes, just to make sure there's nothing on fire and can then say, right, boom, boom, boom. I'm going to put these into time blocks at 11, 12, two, four, whatever you do, and then get on with what you have to do. Brilliant. That's fantastic. If like me, you immediately those problems start sort of worming into your mind then people get used to the fact oh Stu doesn't check his email till 10. don't worry about it he'll come back to you afterwards Stu's um, a manager he doesn't show up till 10. <laughs> well I'm uh, I was never never that I was always in first but um yeah uh, Stu's not here he's playing golf that that may have been mentioned once or twice by people in my employer I suspect <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. The thems the brakes, I suppose. Um, okay, so you've got friction, whether it comes from the inside or the outside. 
uh, how do you how do you overcome it? Well, that's you've just got to build up systems for it. Internal stuff. As Stu said, you know, sometimes you just got to go watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, exactly. On pirated TV. <sighs> you've just you've just got to recognize it. I think is the key thing. Understand it. It's it's not something that there's a hit the friction button. You can't just squirt some WD-40 on it and all of a sudden you're productive. What you've got to do is kind of really be conscious of what your factors are and look at them and, and know yourself. What do you think, Stu? Uh, well, whenever these things come upon me, I, I think to Kenny Rogers, um, as I think we all should, um, the great songster, the song, The Gambler, the chorus goes, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. And what that's about for me is looking at the friction that I'm feeling and trying to understand what drives it because friction can be a good thing. Friction can be telling you that you're doing the wrong stuff. Friction can be telling you that you're doing too much stuff. Don't don't tell corporate America or indeed corporate Britain or indeed corporate Canada or corporate Europe. Let's be inclusive. Um, but there are times when you should at four o'clock or three thirty or five or you know whenever go. Do you know what? I've done enough. Mm -hmm. My my <laughs> my energy has been exhausted. My my sort of creativity and thought processes are empty they need refueling i'm going to go and take a walk or i'm going to pack up my stuff and say to the boss listen i'm going to head out early today you know smashed it boom boom friction can be simple as fatigue or it can be a form of procrastination or it can be an expression of discomfort mm. that you're doing your subconscious is saying to you look, this is the wrong thing. You shouldn't be doing this. This isn't the best use of your time. This isn't moving the needle. Now, depending on where you are and what you do, you may or may not have control of those um, decisions. But at least listen to them. Because there are times when I don't go and watch Netflix or pirate TV or whatever. I go, okay, yep, I really don't want to do this. It's a P-I-T-A, but it just has to get done. I have to get these books to balance. I have to make them uh, equal zero. Otherwise, I can't submit my accounts, pay my taxes, and life just gets hard. So I, I just have to push through. And there are other times when I go, do you know what? I'm done for today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And that's what I mean by knowing when to hold, when to fold, when to walk away, and when to run, is pay attention to what things are causing you friction. Have a think about why they may, might be causing you friction. Um, and in the, in the show notes, I wrote to Justin, I said, help, I'm, I'm channeling Greg McKeon. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of what he's, he says about this is, is true and is correct. Um, you know, one of, one of the major problems that, that he and, you know, writers like Cal Newport have, have identified is it, it's, it's, and Oliver Burton, it, it's not necessarily about doing more stuff more effectively. It's about doing the right stuff and ignoring the wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, there's, a, there's a huge amount of books you can read. Uh, Essentialism by Greg McKim. There's a good one to start. Mm. Excellent book. And the other one that I was thinking about uh, is the Asian Productivity Acronym. Have you, you come across? I mean, I know you know Asian Productivity. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, what is it? The Productivity Show. 
Yeah, that's the name of that podcast, I think. Yeah. Um, and they talk about T, the time, energy, and attention framework. Um, so, you know, it might be that you, you lack the time, you lack the energy, you lack the attention. Um, you need all three of those to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I get friction, I look at what's causing it, or I try and work out what's causing it. Because sometimes it is a case of saying, Stuart, <laughs> X digitate, get on with it and do it. Or Stuart, you're not going to do this today. Be realistic. It's not going to happen. Put it into your first block in the morning, because that's the block that you hit with energy and without distraction. You know, you've got to have time, energy, and attention really to get focused work done. And it is sometimes tough to corral all three of those things at the same point in any day. Um, you know, I think all of us need a little more pirate TV in our lives too. <laughs> well, there we go. All right. All right. Uh, what tips do you have for yourself for reducing friction before it derails you? Uh, okay. I've got a few. So first one is shutdown routine. Um, whether I complete a full routine or not, because I'll be honest, I don't always, but the one thing I try and always do is establish what is my big thing tomorrow? What must I do tomorrow? Um, because by doing that, I've already got my subconscious working on it. Mm -hmm. So while I'm sleeping, my subconscious will be going, okay, so um, for example, the novel, right? We're going to be writing the novel tomorrow. So where, where are we in it, with it? What's happening? What things do I have to develop? What storylines do I need to do? You know, it, my, my subconscious works on it and I find it easier to, to get going on that in the morning. Um, quite often I will write myself a prompt. So, um, I use folletto cards, um, see previous episodes, um, just a little index card and I just write on it a prompt. So it might be something to say uh, what my blog piece is going to be about or what scene I'm going to write in the novel or what spreadsheet I'm going to address for which business, wh whatever it might be. I leave a little prompt there. If I am writing, then quite often, this is a trick I've, I've started doing recently, quite often I will stop halfway through a sentence or an idea or a paragraph. Um, and then just write a couple of notes. I'll just type in a couple of notes about where the scene goes so that when I come back to it, I've got a sort of running start because I know, okay, yeah, I just need to finish that off. And I'm, I don't have to start something new. I don't have a, a barrier to overcome. Uh, and the thing that I think made the biggest difference to me, and this comes from the focus course, um, from Blanc Media, um, is celebrate success. So when I get something done, give myself a pat on the back. A couple of reasons for that. One, I don't have a boss. Um, so if I don't do it, nobody will. And two, uh, in my experience of bosses, they often forget. So by celebrating success, you give yourself those endorphins. You give yourself those good feelings that help build the next success. We go, okay, yeah, okay, I got that done. I've really smashed it today. And I'm feeling good. I've still got energy. I've still got time. I can still give this some attention. Therefore, I can do some more. I can do a little bit more and get ahead. Wow, yeah. Aren't I cool? That's a good feeling to have. Mm. What about you, Jesse? What are your tips? Well, I'm just still stuck on the idea of leaving a sentence half finished. Oh, I wouldn't sleep that night, Stu. <laughs> Um, my, my list is a little different. Um, as I said before, I really recognize when you're feeling friction and try to figure out whether it's internal or external, 
try to determine what the cause is and then see what you can do to overcome it. Some things that I enjoy doing are shifting contexts. So sometimes, you know, I'm working at my computer, I will move over and again, privilege. I, I do realize that I will move over to my analog desk and I'll take a printout or, you know, some, some format that I don't have to sit at a computer for. I'll do some work there. You know, I've got some notes on my desk that I've got just on a pad of paper. I just had a problem that I had to work for. I, I worked it out longhand with a pen, ink, and a pad of paper. And I did that on a different desk. And it's amazing how clearing that can be. Sure. Um, if you have a dog, go for a short walk. Have a nap. Go for a healthy drink. Um, you know, go for a snack. We're coming into summer up here. So we're starting to get fresh fruits and vegetables, which are absolutely lovely. Do something to get away from your desk, shift your context. It's amazing, particularly if it's an, an internal friction that coming back to things refreshed after a little bit of break will I'll let you focus just a little bit more. It's kind of the way I do it. Very good. Good advice. Stu, what have you got as a takeaway from this? Oh, well, I mean, the obvious, the great Kenny Rogers knows stuff. He does. You want to know what my takeaway is, Stu? Go on, hit me with it. Stu knows Kenny Rogers. <laughs> well, one song anyway. <laughs> More than anything, uh, I, was, I was expecting Stu to sing because there's nothing like a Kenny Rogers voice with Stu's British accent. I was just waiting for that and it didn't quite happen, but I'm going to work on that for the next show. Maybe I can uh, do some digital um, formatting of Stu's voice, put it together in this little song so that we can get there. Autocorrect. Uh, hey, we, we might make a uh, star out of you yet. Put it on TikTok, Stu. <laughs> Couple of beers next time and I'll, I'll launch into it without any prompting, I'm sure. All right. Where can people find you on the webs? Uh, you can find me at stuartlennon.com for my writing. Uh, if you want to hear me complaining and whinging, you can find me at uh, Stu Lennon on Twitter. And if you fancy some really nice stationery, pop by nerosnotes.co.uk, where we've got some really cool uh, Tamari River stuff from a company called Odyssey. No. Stu, stop it. You're going to make me spend money. <sighs> Just what I need. All right. Um, you can find me. Well, I've been quiet on the interwebs lately. I've been listening to Apple music and not doing a whole bunch of stuff, but if you're looking for me, find me at justintwyford.com. You can find both Stu and I at stationaryadjacent.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, complaints, or tips for us, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Uh, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. We really do appreciate it. And we certainly appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic is actually going to be a follow-up on our goal setting for 2022. <clears throat> How did it go? Homework. Homework. We've got to think about what we talked about. Oh, we might have to re-listen to an episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, Stu. Crazy. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>